before we get into this, um, especially if you're new here, you'll see boxes of stuff all over the place like vegetables and breads and cakes and seeds. So uh, all those seeds came from Lowe's. They're this year's seeds, so if you need seeds, pick through that, take whatever you want, you know. So what I understand is if you use those next year, you should uh, sow heavily, which is a biblical mandate anyways, right? Because if you sow heavily, you reap heavily, right? So uh, take twice as much as you think you ought to take, okay? Okay. And there are fresh veggies out there. Those are coming in from the Belknap County Gleaners. Did you know that Belknap County has people that go out into the fields of corporate, corporate farms throughout the area and collect what's left in the fields, another biblical right mandate, and they bring it here so we can give it away. So, And so that's all there and available for you. Please, please, please take it. Because we don't mind uh, feeding the pigs because we do get bacon down the line, but I'd rather you put this good stuff to use. Also, something that you get uh, as of late every week in your bulletin. Does everyone have a bulletin? Let me see your bulletins. And open those up and pull this one out. Ta-da. All right. So we're going to be talking about this a little later on. But over the past several weeks, you've been getting an insert in your bulletin every week. And you know, one, of, one of the things about making these inserts is you always wonder, gee, I wonder if anyone's using that. I wonder if anyone's doing with the insert what we hope they're doing with the insert. So spontaneously, someone told me what they were doing with the insert. I was so excited, I asked them to share. So Tyson, why don't you come up and share? Hello, everybody. My name is Tyson. My wife, Melly. She just she's going to the bathroom. Yeah. Here comes Mel. So a couple weeks ago, we were filling out our paperwork, and I filled out the front side, and then I watched my wife fill out the back side. And then later on when I was reading it, I realized we were filling out the same stuff, and we weren't even talking about it because the pastor was talking. And it was just amazing to go through it, and I was telling Pastor Dick about that. And basically, our conversation throughout the days just became intentional. So we had this vision, we had this dream, and we knew that when we got saved, we wanted to start really practicing what we're learning and just creating good habits. So what Melly does, she should honestly be up here, is what she does is she writes these goals on the mirrors. If it's a window, a mirror, it doesn't matter in front of where we wash our dishes, where we go to the bathroom. So we have all these personal goals that she writes for us in little scriptures, and it's inspiring to the whole family. And once that goal is met, it's like, wow, we actually got there. Then she'll write another one. And it's, that goal seems so far away, but is all I can say to you guys is just be intentional with your goals. Like, don't just talk about them. Write them down. Pray about them. Our truck broke down. It was in the shop for probably, what, we didn't have it for almost four weeks. So rather than say, yeah, we've got the money. Let's just pay it. Let's just get it done. No, let's pray about it. Let's soak on it. And the mechanic was on us daily. When can we fix it? When can we fix it? And I said, no, it's not ready. We haven't come up with a decision yet. Don't rush us. So, and then we were blessed enough to walk into a new truck, and we never thought we'd be there. But again, that's just part of stacking those goals up. 
and just being and writing them down, not just talking about them like, oh yeah, I went to church Sunday, okay, we live a different lifestyle. It just it we continue to bring it home, and it's just amazing. It really is. So I just that's kind of all I got. Yeah, so that fits right into where we're going today. We've talked a couple of weeks ago about values, and then we talked uh, about vision, right? Vision casting and walking in vision. Uh, we're going to have this week and next week, we're going to talk about next steps, right? Next steps, living the life God intended. So uh, this is learning to develop a plan to reach your goals and vision. And I hope you all have some semblance of a vision for your life. Where are you going to be a year from now? Where are you going to be five years from now, ten years from now? Where are you going to be when your kid's graduating high school, you know, and all of a sudden you're an empty nester, right? And if you think that's just a lot of fun, it's like sometimes it's like falling off a cliff, right? Especially if you have a four-story house and... <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, you, you've got this little roadmap. We'll be talking about that in just a little bit. Uh, but here we go. The great invitation of Jesus found throughout all of the gospel accounts is both supremely simple while at the same time more life-changing and more impacting than any other invitation by any other person or group that has extended themselves towards humanity at any time or anywhere in all of history. And it's simply this, follow me. Follow me. Wow. Can you imagine being a Jewish young man in a fishing boat, going out your net day in, day out, cleaning the fish, cleaning the nets, going out, coming back, you know, and all of a sudden this rabbi standing on the shore and says, hey, Pete, Follow me, right? Dumps the net, and off he goes. Life-changing, life-changing. Plain and simple in its statement, yet as complex as life can get in its application. Is that true? Right? Why? Son of the living God, son of the invisible God, put on flesh, lived among us in order to restore us to our original condition of relationship with Father God and invites us into that restorative journey. Have you accepted that invitation yet? To follow him, to join him in the profound work of reconciling lost sinners to a holy God who, because of his great love for humankind, has extended forgiveness and salvation by grace, yes, as a free gift, because Jesus took the journey all the way to the cross, the grave, and back again so that we could follow him, love like him, commune with him, and do all the things that Jesus did. Heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, bring comfort to the brokenhearted, and freedom to those in bondage. If you don't know Jesus as Lord, as Savior, then you are not following him on his journey along his path. 
Let's take a moment here and extend the invitation once again. If you are not sure, right, because when you know that you know that you know, right, if you are not sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ based on the finished work of the cross and the power of his resurrection, or if you know that you don't, but today you are feeling a tug in your heart to receive him as Lord and Savior, I want you to just put your hand quickly up and we're going to pause and pray. I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. And would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray for those who have responded. Lord Jesus, we come before you today, Lord, as lost, as sinners, as those who have gone astray from the purposes of God. And we acknowledge that you died for our sin, O oh God, that you paid the ultimate price, a price we could not pay for ourselves. Lord, and you counted it as joy. Lord, the writer of Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross. And Lord, we are that joy. You are experiencing joy this day as two sinners, O oh God, have lifted their hands to respond to the fact that God raised you from the dead. Lord, that you died as a man. You rose as the son of the living God in power and in glory. And today we receive you as Lord and as Savior. Come and do the work of reconciliation in our lives. Change us, O oh God. Let your kingdom be known through us. And let us bring glory to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. So yes, Jesus was on a journey, but he was not traveling alone. As a matter of fact, he was not even in the lead position. John 5.19, this is Jesus speaking. I know that because it's printed in red. Okay. In case you don't know why your Bible has red letters. All right. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. Wow. So essentially, Jesus is following his father's footsteps so that he can do what the father does. There is a plan and a purpose at work behind the scenes. And Jesus achieves his goals, accomplishes his tasks, and fulfills his vision by taking the right steps at the appropriate times. Here's a really powerful example. Are you all familiar with the story of Lazarus? Anyone who isn't, doesn't know the story? Okay, a couple of you, good. Okay. So Jesus has this deep friendship with a family that lives in a town of Bethany, just southeast of Jerusalem. Martha, her sister Mary, and the brother Lazarus. Jesus is down by Jericho on the other side of the Jordan River, a day's journey away, and gets a message from the sisters 
that Lazarus is really, really, really sick. Please come right away and heal him. Now listen to Jesus' response, his love response to this need. John 11:5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, okay? So keep that in mind. He loved this guy who's really, really, really sick. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? Come on, Jesus. Don't you see how much they are suffering, how great the need is? You need to do something, right? You need to get up. You need to get moving. Even the sister Martha later on said to him, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Right? And others said the same, and I think we often do the same. We are moved by urgency. The urgency of the moment to do something without asking the Holy Spirit what he is doing. One of the conference speakers last week, Steve Nicholson, was talking about leading prayer ministry in a small group setting, and he had some great advice for the leaders. He said, when you're there, when there is a prayer need in the meeting, first invite the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Simple as that. Come, Holy Spirit. Right? Then wait. Give some time and space for his movement. And as the leaders, don't just jump and just go ahead and start praying for the person, but rather ask the Holy Spirit who he wants to use in the ministry time and look for the Holy Spirit's indicators. So he, he told the story of that happening, and he's looking around, he's waiting, and all of a sudden he looks at this guy standing there, and, and it looks like sweat is dripping off his fingertips, and he goes over, and it's oil, right? Oil is dripping out of this guy's hand. So he says, hey, you take those oily hands and go pray for this guy. He puts his oily hands on him, and the guy gets instantly healed, right? So Steve could have gone and prayed, because he's the leader of the meeting, and nobody would have objected. Everyone would have thought, oh, that's right, right? Call for the elders, all of that. But he took the time to wait, to see what the Holy Spirit was doing, to see what the next step was that would become evident. And the sign and the indicator was there for him to take note of. And he moved on that, right? So Jesus looked for the indicators. He was not walking in the obvious need. He walked in the Father's will, and the Father did not move when urgency of circumstance dictated, but when his actions would most powerfully demonstrate his purposes and his glory. And sometimes it looks more than a little scary. John eleven eleven. After saying these things, he said to his disciples, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. 
I'm glad I didn't leave three days ago. For your sake. Why? So that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then jump up a verse to verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Four days. So this is the Middle East. I don't know if you've ever been in Israel in an Israeli tomb. Okay, so this is how it works. You die on Tuesday. Before the sun sets on Tuesday, you are underground. They wrap you in cloth with spices, and they put you on a shelf in a cave, and they roll a stone over that hole or plug it up, and your body stays there for one year. After a year, they open up the grave, and all that's left is your bones because of the conditions of the air and the environment there. They collect the bones, and they have what is called an ossuary. It's a big stone box. And the bones of your fathers are in that box, and probably your grandfather and your great-grandfather, and they dump your bones in on top of all the bones of your fathers. And that's how you're buried. So four days underground. What's that smell? Oh, that's Lazarus, right? So not only is Lazarus dead, he is dead and buried. Hmm? Oh, Jesus, why did you wait so long? Had you only acted quicker, done something sooner, responded when we asked you to, what were you waiting for? Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Now listen, you can follow the steps. You can be making all the right moves, right? It's still going to impact you emotionally, okay? You still connect with the pain and the suffering. You don't avoid that just by doing the right thing. You embrace it. Because the Father has put you at that place, at that moment in time, for a purpose. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And the answer is, yes. Absolutely, he could have. He could have healed him, kept him from dying, and all that they thought that he should have done, he could have done. But he didn't because it is not what he saw the father doing. The father was going in a different direction than that. It was not the steps the father had shown him to take, and he only came to do what he saw the father doing. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, 
Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, Father, I'm following you. I'm taking your steps. I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. Now, did you catch that? Seriously, he's bound up. He's bound up like this, right? And, and that would be pretty awesome if it was a big cave and he could just... I'm coming. But we've been in the tomb. And you've got to go down a tube, cut through the solid stone for 15 feet. And I mean, when you're in this thing, you are claustrophobic. I mean, my shoulders were touching each side as I slid down that thing. And then you come into a chamber. So Jesus hollers down this tomb, Lazarus, come out. There's none of this going on. It's the power of the word of the living son of God walking and speaking in obedience to his father that drew that man up that solid stone tube by the power of the word, <laughs> unwrap him, set him free, let him go. Wow, what a Jesus we serve, huh? Amazing, amazing. Having values and vision, find their expression in having a plan. And a plan, a series of goals, find their fulfillment step by step, following in the steps of Jesus, who followed in the steps of his father, following the steps of those who have followed the steps of Jesus and fulfilled their vision and found their purpose. Their lives can be like a roadmap to help us reach our own goals through pastoring, coaching, mentoring, counseling, encouragement, steps. Here's a great question to ask yourself in any endeavor. What is my next step? What is my next step? Where are you with the Lord right now? Where are you with the sense of purpose and calling in the church right now? What's the next thing Holy Spirit is going to ask you to do? You know, you will never find out until you ask the question, Holy Spirit, what is my next step? The New Testament is fairly emphatic about this process of following in the steps of the rabbi. John 13, 13, this is Jesus 
and this is an amazing story. Uh, you're all familiar with it. You know, it's the night that he uh, had the Lord's Supper. First communion was instituted, the, the new covenant. And at the end of the meal, Jesus strips down. In front of the whole group, he strips down naked, wraps a towel around him. What, what did he do? He dressed himself as a servant. But not just a servant, the lowest servant that any household could have. The servant who washed the crap off a visitor's feet when they came in. And if you know the structure of the towns and the cities, all of the waste ran down little gullies in the street. So those finless brown trouts, Right? It was all out there. That's just the way it was. And you stepped in it sometimes. But when you came into someone's house, there was a servant there. If they had any sense of wealth, uh, they would have that servant in a towel, getting on his knees in front of you, taking off those crappy shoes and washing the stuff off your feet, and then probably cleaning your shoes before you exit. This is the posture that Jesus took before he went to the cross to pay the price that could not be paid except by him for your salvation. He became a servant to all, and the most humble of all servants is what he became. And he says this to them, If you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, I got to tell you, they must have been stunned. Absolutely stunned. If you can just imagine what he did with the social norms of the moment. Right? You also ought to wash one another's feet. Listen, I took this step so that you could know at some point in time this is a step that you should take. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Uh, Is that a winner? If you do them, if you take the steps... You win the prize, right? If you run the course. The Apostle Paul can say with all confidence in 1 Corinthians 11.1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Right? Take the steps. Follow the course. Stay on the path. So this past February, four of us flew out to Phoenix, Arizona at the invitation of the Vineyard to attend a conference on church growth with a goal of learning what steps we needed to take to break what is called the 200 barrier. The 200 barrier is a certain point in church growth where churches will stall out for a period of time. It's almost like adjustments have to be made, you know, and so learning how to do that, knowing what steps to take, happen, uh, helps with the growth process. And just to answer the unasked question, yes, Jesus does care about numbers. Okay. He really does, right? 
about how many people gather with us on Sunday, how many new believers are discovering the truth of the word of God in our grow groups, how many are worshiping and growing in relationship with Jesus because we take certain steps to extend an open and welcoming invitation to the lost souls of the world around us. He cares about numbers. Jesus loves each one of them and died for their salvation. His kingdom grows through the newly converted hearts of men and women, and we are the messengers calling them into this, his everlasting arms. Early on in the conference uh, teaching, Phil Trillian, who's a vineyard pastor in New Jersey, gave us four very simple steps that we could take to help ensure healthy church growth. And it goes this way. Lost people, saved. Saved people, pastored. Pastored people, trained. Trained people, mobilized. Pretty simple, right? Pretty simple. They are, of course, like most kingdom stuff, simple in their statement, but more complex and impacting in their outworking because each step allows us to build a process that is enhanced by our values and geared towards our vision. So lost people saved means we become gospel proclamation inclusive in all that we say and do. So have you noticed, just like today, the invitation to Christ has been included in every message in this series so far? That is an intentional step that we are taking to fulfill that step. Lost people saved. How will they get saved if no one tells them? Right? So the step that we should take is to make a proclamation of the gospel whenever we're gathered with any group of people. And that goes for you, too. You can do the same thing. Neighborhood barbecue, having coffee or dinner with your friends, right? Workmates at, at lunchtime, right? They ask you certain questions. They see the demeanor of your being, of your presence. They feel that. And they ask you certain, like, so what's up with you? You know, you never seem to get ruffled or, or frazzled or anything. Well, let me tell you about Jesus, right? right? That's taking a step, getting the lost saved. Save people pastored. Our recent offering of grow groups is part of this step. But there is also life coaching, mentoring, prayer and inner healing are available. And later this year, there will be financial planning classes also. Each step set towards a goal. Pastored people trained. School of Kingdom Ministry. How many have taken School of Kingdom Ministry? Right? How many are wondering what the next step is after that? Yeah, you should be, right? Okay, the character of Christ training classes on Monday nights. We have APES training, right? Apostle, pastor, evangelist, uh, shepherd, and teacher. Those are five-fold ministry training. There's assessments and training are all geared towards discipleship in the school of Christ. All of these are steps that we're going to be, as a church, offering to all of you. 
train people mobilized, opportunities to serve the church, Sunday school, serve the poor at the food pantry, church planting, worship team, or perhaps mentoring toward your own personal vision and calling. Right? We want to be part of your vision. We want to be part uh, of helping you plan out your steps, your next step of hearing the voice of God, of, of knowing when he's speaking to you, of refining what you're hearing so that you can put it in order and pursue those with confidence. So inside your bulletin this week, I always also reference this earlier, uh, this is a next step journey. And starting down in the lower left corner is the first steps. Accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Be water and spirit baptized. All right, so if you've not been water baptized, you have another bulletin in, in your, another insert in your bulletin, right? We're doing a water baptism on August 11th. If you need to take that step, right? And if you miss that, we'll fill, fill up the tank and do it in the worship service again. Right? Those get pretty wild. Right? Right? What about spirit baptism? We're going to be doing a couple of weeks on what it means uh, to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to answer the question, how much more would your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Right? Asking the questions. We're going to be ministering in that. It's an opportunity for you to take that step. Right? Participate in taking communion. And when, when are you doing that teaching, Martha? August 4th, we're going to have a teaching here in preparation for water baptism. We're going to be talking about communion. We're going to share communion together as a body and dig deeper into what the meaning of that is all about and why that's an essential step to be taking in your journey with Jesus Christ. And then just follow the pathway up. Uh, become a regular attender, a generous giver in prayer. Join and participate in a grow group. Take the School of Kingdom Ministry course. Discover your place in the kingdom service. On and on and on. So you can take this map and you can check off the things that you've already done, the steps that you've already taken, and look at the steps that are in, ahead of you. And maybe you'd even put in something that we missed, something that you say, oh, this is where I'd like to go. You know, we're interested in what the Lord is saying to you because maybe you'll be the one that opens up a new juncture in our, in our little trail here. Maybe you'd come to one of the pastors and say, you know, I'm feeling led of the Lord to, to start this, to open this, and all of a sudden the whole church is, is in flow with that. You know, your vision should meld in with the vision of the church. If you're part of this community, we should flow together as the body of Christ, each one having their function and having their place in the body. And, and Jesus gets the glory, right? So, you know, just, just like Tyson took those uh, inserts on vision and utilized them, you know, in his own way. It fit, it fit what they were going through, and he utilized that. Take this little map. Begin to work. We're going to come back to the subject matter again next week, right? And, and bring back your map with you. Bring the map back with your little scribbles on it and stuff, right? Maybe we can do, do a little TED talk about that, <laughs> do a dick talk. <laughs> All right. I want to encourage you to utilize these weekly takeaways 
in your discovery process. So let's, let's end today in, in the way I suggested we start. Let's invite the Holy Spirit. Right? You can stand if you'd like to. And some of you understand posture. I love this topic of posture, you know, just having a posture of uh, receptivity. I, I don't know what Eric used for an example, but we were talking about this with an individual we were ministering to, and I said, you know, posture, and he said, remember, like you're holding the TV? <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but if, if you need that visualization, hold the TV. So what this says is, Holy Spirit, I've got open hands. It represents an open heart. I want to hear from you. I want to receive from you. But it also means, listen, he can flip your palms over. I'm also willing to give up, to get rid of, to stop doing, to abandon the things that are not pleasing to you. And that's between you and him. But this posture says, I'm here for you, Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come now? We're just going to wait for a minute. Wait for his presence. you begin to feel the Holy Spirit settling on you, just just open up all the more. Just say, yes, Holy Spirit, yes. I receive you. I bless you.